us on this Wednesday night. And for all of you that are a part of our church, we welcome you and just trust that the Lord uh, is with you today. And also for those who are streaming, we have a number of people who are around and listening and some listen later on. God bless you. It's certainly uh, an honor to have you here and an honor to be able to minister to you. Uh, good time now for you to get your phone out and uh, you can communicate with me uh, and send an amen. Somebody was uh, asking me about that today and they were looking on the website for a place to hit an amen button uh, because we had talked about that before and uh, I had to explain to them that uh, you use your phone and uh, you can just text an amen to me. That would be great. Love to hear from you during the service. Um, we have a couple of prayer requests tonight and we want to jump right in and bring these to you. Trust that you enjoyed the song service. Uh, so if you have your phone, you're also going to need your Bible tonight, uh, naturally. And uh, we'll look in there uh, together and we're going to do a little study on the character of Kings again. This is number five and we'll subtitle this a mighty young person, a mighty young person. Now, um, I wanted to bring to you a couple of announcements here. Uh, number one, that um, today is a special day, it's special for a couple of reasons. And number one is that uh, it is Brother David Whitlock's birthday. But Brother David is down and he's back today. And uh, we want to remember him in prayer and just trust that the Lord will touch him. But it is his birthday today and we appreciate Brother David and his family. Also as well, it's Brother Ron Spencer's birthday. And uh, we wish Brother Ron a happy birthday. I've already done that today. And he said it's just a special day for him to uh, celebrate this birthday. And Lord willing, we make it to see him later in the week. Uh, so we wish them all the best. We are praying tonight for the saints in Louisiana. And uh, Hurricane Laura is uh, on its way into that part of the country. And we um, certainly want to hold those believers up in prayer that are scattered up through the state. I was in contact with a couple of the pastors personally there today and talked with them and the uh, center of the hurricane is uh, going to pass within 50 miles of where they are. And so I assured them that we would pray for them tonight. And if you could remember that, that would certainly be good. It is a pretty big storm and uh, we just trust that the Lord will keep all of them safe. Today, Sister Amanda Bilton uh, found herself in the hospital. She was having uh, some chest pains and uh, discomfort breathing and so forth. And they put her in the hospital. They admitted her uh, and she is going for a heart cath in the morning. And uh, we've been in touch with her today and we would just ask that you would remember her in prayer. And um, she's never had any issues like this before with her heart. But we are believing that God's going to touch her and get her through this and get her back on her feet again. We are praying for all the folks who are going back to school. For some, this is the, uh, for most people, this is the first week of school. And so we're praying that the Lord will uh, not only watch over you, but bless your year and give you a great start. This Sunday is going to be the last Sunday for the McGeary family. They're heading to Texas after service Sunday morning. And because it is their last service with us for now, I asked Brother Aaron to minister uh, on Sunday morning. So he'll be doing that. And then there will be... Uh, having lunch and then taking off after that to head out west uh, out to Texas. So we appreciate the people who have been helping to uh, get them packed up and uh, ready for the movers there. So we trust that the Lord will bless them uh, on their endeavors and lead them in the path that uh, they have chosen to take. 
So as we begin this evening, uh, we want to turn our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 22, and we're going to look there together and read a little passage from the scripture. This story is also found in 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and 35, but tonight we're going to stick uh, mostly to this chapter here uh, in the Kings, and these were just uh, two recordings of the same, basically the same story, the same history of the Kings, and uh, we've, we're going to be reading out of Second Kings tonight, and we're talking about the King Josiah. I've often talked about the King Josiah. He's a great character, and um, I wanted to just highlight a few points tonight that we can make, and I'm going to be a little more brief tonight in my comments, and so I want you to hold on. I know it's difficult, uh, and, you know, it's uh, a Wednesday night, and so I want to be a little more uh, compact in my comments here, so uh, just jump in with me, and we'll we'll look to uh, the Lord to help us uh, to bring something that the Lord's laid on my heart for you. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we bind our faith together now as believers and people who trust in your word, that Lord, you would minister to these needs that are mentioned here before you tonight. And Lord, there are many others that I may be unaware of, but Father, you're a God who knows the heart and you know the need that we have. You know the very cry that is on our lips, Lord. And I just ask and pray that you would just look upon us tonight and look through the blood of Christ as you forgive us, Lord, of our sins is our prayer. Lord, there are some who are hurting tonight. We thank you, Brother David, and uh, we hold him up before you in prayer, and we uh, also call upon you for Sister Amanda Bilton tonight, and we curse that affliction. Just pray that you would just give her strength and healing. Lord, may you just touch her, I pray, and give her a complete soundness in her body. And Father, just take complete control. Drive away any doubt and any fear. Uh, any reservation, Lord, that she may have, that you're watching over her, and we commit her into your care. Lord, for each and every need, and especially the believers who are in the path of this great storm tonight, we are a people who are accustomed to trouble, but Lord, we believe you're a God who delivers us out of everything that we face, and so we commit our needs to you, Lord. Bless the folks that are struggling against the virus and those that are recovering, we pray for your hand of protection upon our families, and Lord, may you just have control, and you, may you bless this service tonight, we pray. Say what needs to be said through me, and Lord, hear what needs to be heard through the ears of your people as we listen with receptive hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Well, we're going to be reading in Second Kings chapter 22, and we're going to jump in and begin reading uh, in verse 19. Now, let me give you a little bit of the backstory, and this is uh, something that should be familiar to you. And if you've never heard the story of Josiah, you need to get your Bible out and gather your kids around, and you can uh, read this story. It's a great one for sure. But uh, Josiah is a very—he's considered one of the youngest kings in the world, one of the youngest monarchs in the world, and he's listed as one of the great kings of Israel. And uh, he begins to reign uh, when he's eight years old, and uh, a few years later in his reign, he has quite an experience. And uh, as he's sending one of his uh, uh, treasurers, one of his uh, uh, attendants in the court, uh, down to the temple uh, where the people are working, then uh, they have a discovery to give to the, uh, to give to the uh, messenger Hilkiah. Now the reason that they're uh, the reason that they're uh, renovating the temple 
is because Josiah, even as a young man, Josiah is grieved because his people have uh, lost the sanctity of the of the temple, and they've gotten away from the true worship of the living God. Uh, this is several generations after King Solomon, so the uh, great beauty of the temple has been defaced, and uh, Josiah just he he just has a tremendous burden. God really begins to deal with his heart, and uh, he has uh, a burden to repair the temple, and he's got workers down there doing that. Now, just I need you to stop for a minute, and, and I need you to, to to think about this one one thought tonight. And this is my uh, the, my what's on my heart, what I want to convey, and that is this: many times, uh, young people will fall into a trap of thinking they've got to be older in order to do anything for God. They've got to be older in order to accomplish anything for God, or they've got to be older to do anything that persuades people to the kingdom of God. And I need to tell you this evening that that's not true. I believe that God allowed Josiah to be a young king and to do great things because he wanted to prove that young people can reign in life. And so, young people, I want you to listen to me tonight. You don't have to have good parents or godly parents in order to live for God. You don't have to have parents that are stellar believers in order for you to uh, do anything for the kingdom. Josiah uh, was the grandfather of, uh, sorry, Josiah's grandfather uh, was Manasseh, and Manasseh was uh, a wicked king. Uh, He did things that were uh, certainly contrary to God's word. And one of the things that Manasseh did was he refused to listen and respond to the word of God. When God spoke to Manasseh, he rejected that, and he did things in his own way, and as a result of that, he brought calamities into the nation of Israel. Secondly, uh, Manasseh had bad friends. He was influenced by uh, people who were ungodly and gave him bad counsel. And he patterned his kingship or he patterned his reign after Ahab. And so that'll tell you what kind of influence he was under. And thirdly, Manasseh was a person who was neglected by his own father, uh, who was a king and uh, certainly not anybody that was uh, you know, sensitive to the ways of God. And uh, as a result of that, uh, Manasseh uh, did not spend much time at all with his family. Uh, we, we never read about uh, Manasseh in, being an influence at all to his son and, of course, to his grandsons. And that's the way Manasseh was. He was just so caught up in his work and caught up in building his own kingdom that uh, his family suffered for that. But out of that, I need you to know that Josiah... Uh, arose and Josiah's father was Omni and Omri and uh, he he also followed in the path of Manasseh and so he was not a stellar father certainly not an example that uh, Josiah would want to follow but that's the kind of example that Josiah had and I just want to say this that uh, it is important for you young people to understand that uh, you don't have to have perfect people around you in order to uh, you know serve the Lord and have a heart for God. Uh, this decision is a personal one. It is not a family decision. It's a personal decision. And your decision to live for God and to serve God and influence people towards the kingdom of God is one that you need to make no matter what anybody else around you does. And and this is the, uh, the great uh, testimony of somebody like Josiah and uh, the story that he had. Now, let's, if, if you don't mind, let me just wade into this a little bit here, and I want to uh, just uh, give you a couple of examples, but I want to try to stay on track as much as I can. In Questions and Answers 1954, Brother Branham said that God led the Jews. They were never a nation. They were just a people. They never was an organized church. They were just a church called out. 
There never was an organization amongst the Jews that were always led by God. So we can say from Brother Branham's description that, that uh, Israel was never considered a denomination. And so they never had a denominational hierarchy among them until much, much later. That, that structure was not God's structure. That was not God's order. God's order was he wanted to be their king. He wanted to have a prophet to inspire them. And he wanted to have uh, eventually have a king like David. And uh, he wanted to be able to, to reign in that way sovereignly. And that's why he was grooming the nation for a man after his own heart, uh, which was King David. We know that King Saul came first because the people jumped out ahead of God. And uh, as a result of that, uh, we had the example of Saul prior to David. And, and so th these were uh, certainly lessons that Israel learned along the way. Now, we find that, uh, as we talked last week about King Asa, and uh, King Asa was a great-grandson of David, and uh, he was uh, a king that uh, certainly started off great. He had a great beginning. He was an anointed man. The Bible says very good things about Asa in the beginning of his uh, reign, but later on, his success became uh, a bit of a stumbling block for him, and uh, he turned from the Lord and uh, died of a disease that he never should have died from. And uh, we went through some of the story and the, the relevant lesson out of Asa's life, which was that of stubbornness. And it was not because God didn't provide a remedy. It was not because God didn't have, didn't have solutions there for Asa and uh, could have touched uh, Asa sovereignly. But he just refused to turn to the Lord for his healing. And as a result, he died prematurely uh, in his life. But now tonight we want to talk about King Josiah, and uh, his reign was roughly from 641 to 610 B.C., and he's described as one of the great righteous kings in Israel, and he walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand nor to the left. And again, you'll find those two references there, Second Kings and Second Chronicles, which tell the story of uh, King Josiah. Uh, he's also mentioned, one of the kings mentioned in the genealogy, genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. And uh, that's interesting that you'll find him there. Let me give you the timeline because this is important for us to see. And we find King Josiah over here. And here he is right here. Wow. What an age we live in. Look at that technology that we have there. Okay, so... Uh, this this is uh, the uh, the time of King Josiah, and he lives uh, much later than King Asa. And uh, like I say, he is uh, he is a king that from a very early age, uh, without having a stellar grandfather or father, he doesn't have great examples in his life. But God sovereignly deals with him so that he leaves a legacy that is worth noting for every one of us. And I will tell you something, that if you're going to have a legacy left in life, this is one that is certainly uh, uh, one to follow. In Second Kings 23, it says, And like unto him there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all that the law of Moses, to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Now, we're talking about some pretty impressive uh, personalities that came before King Josiah and came after him as well. And uh, yet the Bible says there was no king like him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart. So one thing that we find about Josiah, he was all in. 
everything about him was he was just completely dedicated to the things of God, and uh, he had no uh, hesitation. He had no uh, reluctance at all. He was a believer. He wanted everyone to know. Uh, He influenced people around him and uh, must have commanded quite a, a, a lot of respect from people there because of the way he conducted himself. Now, we talk about, we've talked about character and we've talked about legacy. And uh, I, I just want to uh, define this a little bit. This is what uh, a man like King Josiah leaves behind. This is the testimony that's written in Scripture about him. And I will tell you, if um, man, that, that is just a tremendous uh, te- testimony, a tremendous witness that God has given uh, to a young man like that. I, I, I think that's such a commendable thing. And if there's something that you can aspire to this would be the thing to do that that in turning to the lord hey we do it with all of our might all your soul with everything that is in you uh you would turn to the lord so that god would say this is really a young man or young woman who serves god but remember now the the things that someone like josiah went through uh were, were exercises in building character in his life now let's define character all right, and, and let's look at it, and we'll look at a little example here tonight. Your character is a sum of all the qualities that make you who you are, your values, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your worldview, uh, your conduct, many, many things that, uh, that are known about you and, and uh, the qualities that you have. They make up your character. Character is not compiled or composed of one particular thing, but there are many things that make up your character. Secondly, character is defined in how your habits and your motives and so forth relate to how you conduct your life. They relate how they relate to morality and uh, particularly when it comes to integrity. Is this person an honest person? Is this person someone that, for instance, is this a young man that I would be comfortable sending my daughter out with, uh, you know, as as somebody, maybe a potential uh, candidate for marriage? Uh, character is defined as your moral self or the crown of a moral life and referred to as a moral structure, something that you build through your behavior and your virtuous actions over time. And, and character, therefore, is defined as who you really are, who you really are by yourself when no one's around, who you are outside of church, maybe outside of family, uh, outside of people who would uh, have an exercise on controlling or an, an influence on controlling your character. If nobody's around to control your actions, if nobody's around to correct you, then what kind of character are you? What kind of crown are we talking about here? And, and this, is, uh, this, this godly character is something that you build through virtuous behavior over time. It does not happen overnight. It happens over a long period of time. Matter of fact, we spend our lives developing character. I, I will tell you that it's just been on my heart that I, I would like to speak to the idea of finishing strong. Many times we, we talk about you know young people developing character and starting to become good characters in life. I think it's equally important that we talk about uh, finishing strong and having good character in our later years because... Uh, Many times we can fall into a trap of believing that, you know what, we've been okay all our life. We're going to be okay in the last part. We don't need to be as zealous. We don't need to be as strict or we don't need to be as conscious of the laws of God and the principles of God later in life. And um, that really is a trap. 
And I think it's a wonderful thing to see somebody who finishes strong when they've lived their life for God. And it's a real uh, disappointment to see somebody who finishes in a compromising or shadowy position after they've lived their life for God. I don't want to do that. I want to finish strong. And so the development of character goes on all the way from the time God taps you on the shoulder all the way until uh, your, uh, your, your death in this life or the change comes one or the other. But character is something that is certainly, uh, prolonged. Great people are usually judged by their character and having good character means that you have admirable traits such as honesty, responsibility, and courage, and faithfulness and so forth. It's beneficial for you to have good character. Being honorable and honest in the work you do in your relations with others is essential in your life. And I will tell you that people recognize good character. Uh, people recognize uh, quality uh, in, in, uh, in, in laborers and workers and so forth. I know that teachers look for that in students. Parents look for that in children. I look for that in my children and grandchildren. Uh, you know, as, as pastors, you know, we constantly look for that and do what we can to minister to people in such a way that their character would be developed over time. Having good character is a good thing. And uh, it, it is, in a sense, it is our uh, spiritual resume that we carry with us through life. And uh, these days, as you know, if you're out there in the job uh, force, most jobs don't last very long today. They last about 2.3 years, the average job does. And so, therefore, your resume is very important because that's what you're going to carry with you uh, and you're going to develop over, over your years. And you want to put good things on your resume so somebody can look at that and be impressed. And they can say, whoa, you worked here and you did this, you accomplished that, and you got a, through your school and, uh, you know, you, you began a task and you got through it. Uh, let me tell you, that's what employers, that's what leaders look for is good character, uh, in their, in young people and potential employees and so forth. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, in, in an upcoming election, that's what we look for in the, in the, uh, officials is to try to find good character. That's what we, that's what we want to have. Uh, that's what we want to have on display as good character because that's, it's more comfortable to vote for that and to believe that somebody has integrity in their life. It's an ongoing thing. And so it's a very uh, important thing that God has decided you're going to take with you when you go. So when you get to the pearly gates, you're going to have to carry your resume with you. Your resume has at the top the character of so-and-so. Now, I, I want to just uh, uh, pause for a moment here and, and just say this, that, um, just as a bit of an example, knowledge, the Bible says, would increase in the last day. The increase of knowledge, though, does not automatically necessitate that character comes with it. Uh, just because there's more knowledge, just because there's more technology, and just because you may be more connected doesn't mean that there's more character that automatically goes with that. We have more knowledge now than we ever have. Let me give you an example, one that's relevant to us. You remember back in the uh, back in the days of the Black Plague, uh, Black Death, which occurred in the, in the uh, time roughly around the time of Martin Luther. Uh, there were people who lived and died and experienced that plague and never knew what caused that plague. They never knew what made it spread. They never knew what the source of it was. And they lived and died. Leaders lived and died. And even historians who were writing about it for years, uh, they believed it was all, there was all kinds of things. There was death in the water. There was death in the air. There was all kinds of reasons why people died. But they had really no idea 
Uh, and as a result, they were in a sense ignorant of the real causes of, of, of the spread of that uh, terrible virus, which took out about one fourth of the population of Europe. I mean, that was, it was unimaginable how, how great a tragedy that was. In comparison, in comparison, when the coronavirus struck at the beginning of this year, it took two weeks for scientists and medical experts to identify and sequence the genome of that virus. So they knew exactly where it came from. They knew exactly what its components were. And uh, even though they figured out they couldn't stop nature, they knew exactly what they were trying to find a vaccine for. They knew what they were trying to find a remedy for. So the knowledge or the expertise uh, is, is, is there to be able to identify uh, what that virus was compared to what it was like in the Middle Ages. But I will tell you that the crisis of character shows up as a result of that pandemic that struck the world. The plague that struck the world brings out a definite display of a lack of character because there is a, to me, there is a real true crisis of leadership uh, to, to even agree on basic things and leaders that have gone off in all kinds of different directions. Uh, there, there, are, uh, there are conflicting ideas. I, I was listening to some people on Monday who were uh, a part of the medical field. They're actually involved in uh, home nursing and traveling around and so forth. And they were just shaking their heads. They were saying, well, you know, they're saying this on the news and this is what I see and that's what I see. And they said, you know, in, in a sense, and these are medical people, they were nurses and therapists and they were throwing up their hands and they said, we really don't know who to believe. And I, I, I think that exists because there is a lack of character and in leadership in the world today. Now, as knowledge increases, there is an increase in expectations. So back in the days when the Black Plague existed there, there were not many expectations that there was going to be some sort of solution uh, because, uh, you know, they didn't have any kind of scientific expertise at all. But now we have uh, greater knowledge of, of things that happen in the world. We have, we have, with that, greater expectations. You know, people will say, oh, they can put a man on the moon. Why can't they find a cure for this? And, uh, you know, they can, uh, do all these things in the world and, you know, the internet can, uh, connect the whole world. Why can't we connect the whole world with a vaccine or whatever else? There's, there's an increase in expectations, uh, when there's an increase in knowledge, but there is not an increase in character just because there's an increase in knowledge. So I, I, I want, and, and again, I want to say that, uh, I was listening to some very scholarly people and they were talking about the effect and they were, you know, just, just it was just a little short discussion, but they were just discussing the long-term effect of what all this would have on humankind. And this was a quotation from what they said. And I'm just, I'm just going to give you a little, a uh, couple of sentences here. They said, there is no global leadership and there is no global plan, not on the healthcare front, and certainly not on, more importantly, the economic front. The tensions that exist today could poison international relations for years, but it's a part of human nature to want to have a leader. So the people in the world, they want to have a leader to guide them through this and give them answers and to be consistent. 
And they were saying that it's natural for uh, mankind to want to have that. Now, when I, when I listened to them talk, their conversation was very logical. That makes sense. That is correct, that it would be great if everyone was unified behind some sort of a leader and uh, someone could make sense out of it and say, this is the path that we need to go and this is the remedy and this is what we should do. But Brother Branham, to, to, a, uh, to a believer, Brother Branham uh, makes some comments about this whole idea. Now, and, and I want to just inject this thinking in here for you. Uh, Brother Branham said that this, this rider in the, in, his, in the first seal here, so he's talking about the white horse rider, the red horse rider, and the black horse rider. He said this rider is nothing but Satan Superman. He's an incarnate devil. And he's an educated genius. He's got a lot of wisdom. So has Satan. He sold it to Eve and he sold it to us. We've been wanting a Superman. We got it. And the whole world's wanting a Superman. They're going to get it. I'd like to say this, that if there is ever an increasing cry for singular leadership in the world, it's today. And I think that's going to increase. And the world wants to have a Superman. They don't want to have people arguing over this and that. We can't even agree. Should we wear a mask? Should we not? Uh, what? How should we handle this? How should we handle that? Every state is different. Every governor is different just in our own country. I get emails from people around the world and they ask the question, you know, man, what's going on in the United States? It seems like the whole thing is on fire. The whole world, it's a part of human nature to want to have a Superman. Brother Branham said they're going to get it. The cry of this world, the cry of humankind is going to propel the Antichrist into a position. So while we look at this logically and we say, oh, okay, you know, there needs to be some uniformity, there needs to be some consistency, we know where all of this is going. And I am glad that we are not uniting behind the wrong leader or behind the wrong Superman. I believe it's going to be the wrong kind of leadership that the world gets because the world has rejected the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the Son of Man in this last day. And so uh, it becomes a very, very uh, an amazing thing to see what effect the lack of character produces. The lack of character produces something that God does not use. And God is not the one who is going to take control of the people of this world as it is. We know that it will be the God of this evil age that will do that. So it, it's it's really um, it, it that's really an interesting thought and and one that we could develop. But let's move on just a little bit further here, uh, if you don't mind. Um, the context of this whole story of Josiah is is really similar to our time because uh, this is a, a season where Israel had rejected God's word. They had turned away from true worship. Uh, the sanctuary of the temple was closed. Uh, there was a diminishing interest in the things of God, so much so that when Josiah starts to feel like he wants to restore the temple, that he realizes that even though my father, my grandfather did not believe or practice this, the temple was the central aspect of life in Israel that in the middle of Jerusalem was this temple, and this temple was a glorious place. And in the middle of that glorious place, God visited us, and he spoke to us as his people. And Josiah has this revelation. He's got this burning revelation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as a young man, you, you have to wonder where he's getting it, because he has not been uh, delivered the book of the law. 
And so he, he, he's restoring the temple. He's beginning to rebuild. And you know it's the Spirit of God when somebody starts to rebuild. They're not tearing down, but they're rebuilding. And so Josiah begins to rebuild the temple. And as he does that, he sends down uh, his messenger, and uh, Shaphan goes down, and, and uh, you know he's talking with the people in the temple, bringing their paycheck down to them on a Friday night. And as he does... Uh, you know, one of the lead workers comes to him and says, Hey, uh, we, we, in our, in our cleaning up of the temple, we found the book and you need to hear what the book says. And so, uh, the, the, uh, the messenger read out the, the book to Shaphan, the scribe and, uh, Shaphan hears this and he's just, he's just smitten by what he hears. And he says, Hey, this was his, his greatest decision or his greatest response. He said, Hey, the king king has got to hear this. The king has got to know uh, what this book says. And so he brings the book back to the king, and he stands there, and he reads it out to the king. And when he does, the king takes his garment, and he rends it, and he realizes, my goodness, if this is true, then not only is the temple in disarray, but our lives are in disarray as well. And so he, he's moved to the point where he calls all the elders together. And I'm, I'm looking in Second Kings chapter 22, and uh, he, he's looking in there, and it says in verse 12, the king commanded Hilkiah, um, the priest, and Ahikim, the, the, the son of Shaphan, and Achor, the son of Micaiah, and, and so forth. And he said, go inquire of the Lord for me and find out what God would say and ask God this question, that are the judgments of the book still True. Are the judgments that God's threatening here, are they still active? I mean, is this real? That's what he wanted to know. And I think, I think similarly, every one of us, we, we want to know, is, is this real? Just because things go along, you know, uh, on a certain, certain path or certain trajectory and there's not any major crisis happening in the world, sometimes we can be lulled asleep in thinking that, well, Maybe, maybe none of this is true. And they wanted to know, uh, the, the King Josiah wanted to know, is this true? Is, is what God said, the judgments here for disobedience and rebellion and uh, wandering away from the order of God, it, are the judgments true? Go find out. Go seek God for me. And so he sends them off. And uh, there's a, a prophetess who comes back, and her name is Huldah. Huldah is a relation to Jeremiah. You can go back and look at the family tree, but there's a, a connection to the prophet Jeremiah. And she comes back uh, to uh, Josiah, and she brings a message after so many days. I'd like to read it with you here, if you don't mind. It says in verse 15, I'm in 2 Kings 22, verse 15, And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I bring evil, I will bring evil upon this place. And upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book of the king, which the king of Judah hath read. So you're right. It is active. It is a true uh, saying in the book. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and may not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus, thus shall ye say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard. Yes, the judgments are still in, in, in place. They're on their road. But I need you to say this to the king. And this is a beautiful saying. Because thine heart was tender. And that word tender has lots of meanings in the Hebrew language. But essentially it means repentant. 
It's able to be molded. It's able to turn. And that was the thing that God noticed about Josiah's heart. I remember when God looks at you, he looks at your heart first. And he, when he looked at Josiah, he saw a young man whose heart was not hardened or calloused by life's experience, but he was rather tender or able to repent or turn so that uh, God could deal with him. And it says, because thou had, their heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spoke against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse and has rent the, thy clothes and wept before me. I have also heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee. And this is the promise now. And this is the blessing that God gives to a young man who has a desire to serve him and a desire to be obedient to him. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So what God specifically says to Josiah is, yes, all the judgments are still on their road because, uh, you know, God's people uh, turned away in disobedience to his word. But you're not going to live long enough to see it. It's going to happen after you pass from this life. And we know that several years later, Josiah died in battle, brought him back to Jerusalem, and he died, and he was buried in his own grave there. But uh, the judgments of God never struck Jerusalem or Israel until after Josiah died. And so therefore, God was saying to Josiah that there is a promise of peace for you in your lifetime. You'll never have to see the judgments of God coming uh, in, in your lifetime. It'll be it'll be. Uh, particularly uh, gone, it'll be, uh, you'll be gone, it'll be over before them. And so that was a promise that God gave to Josiah because of his tender heart. And I would like to say this, saints of God, that there is a, a blessing that uh, comes when a person will serve God and be obedient to him, and they'll have a heart that is able to be moved. I've said many, many times in, in church that it, it is a wonderful thing when people hear the word of God and it strikes them. Uh, their response may not be, uh, you know, overly obvious or emotional, but you realize that's God speaking. That's something that God wants me to hear. That's something that's important. And when people catch that and they agree with that word, that's the kind of thing that God rewarded Josiah for. And so therefore, uh, this kind of character is what, what God's after. He doesn't ask Josiah really to do anything. He doesn't ask Josiah to go and cleanse the temple. He doesn't de describe even to him what he has to do next. He doesn't say that. He just commends him because he has the right response to the right word. That's what God loves to see. And when, when a believer responds the right way, then let me tell you, God will reward that. And that's what's important for you to understand tonight. You've got to respond the right way when you hear the right thing and you hear, uh, you know, what, what God is actually trying to get across to you. And it, and it can stop you in your tracks. It can, it can change the way that you think about things. And that's all that God wants. He doesn't want you to defeat the Antichrist. He doesn't want you to jump on your horse and, and uh, confront the horse rider. He doesn't want you to do any of that. He's got all of that taken care of. Uh, he doesn't want you to be a prophet. He doesn't want you to go and build a temple and offer sacrifices. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you simply, when the word of God is preached in, 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 in an anointed, truthful way, he wants you to respond to that in the right way and be tender so that whatever way now God moves, uh, you, you're, you're going to flow with that. You're going to move in that direction with, with God. And that's what God's after.
Now, if you look in the next chapter, in chapter 23, you start to see what uh, Josiah's response actually literally was. We don't find anywhere where God tells Josiah what to do, but the Bible says that he goes immediately out to the grove of the house of the Lord, uh, from the house of the Lord, without Jerusalem and the brook Kidron. And, and this is where he starts, just like uh, we, we you know read about some of the other kings, they, they grab the idols, and the Bible says in verse 6 that he stamped it small to powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And verse 7, he broke down the house of the Sodomites. Verse 10, uh, he broke down the, the house of Topheth. In 11, uh, he, did, he took away the horses of the kings of Judah that were given to the sun. They were sun worshipers. In 13, uh, 14, 15, all the way down. He broke up the altar of Jeroboam. He, he went He went north uh, outside of Jerusalem and he found where the altar was and broke it down. I, I've seen the restored altar, but uh, J Josiah came to the original altar that Jeroboam built. It was split in two, you remember, by the uh, the supernatural hand of God. But Josiah goes and he, he sees the altar and he grinds it up into powder and he casts the powder uh, to the wind and he says, hey, this is false worship. And he just becomes really zealous for God and uh, just really on fire. And he's drawing, this is what's interesting, he's drawing the whole kingdom with him. He's pulling all these people in with him. And, uh, you know, they're all inspired and they're excited about going to church and they're just on fire for, for him and uh, on fire for God. And they're falling in love with his word. This is, this is just a, a great little revival that takes place. But it happens because there's a young man. And a young man that God got a hold of his heart, and he becomes really excited about the things of God. Now, I've read this to you before, but let me just remind you again. I'm still in chapter 23, and it says in verse 21, And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of this covenant. We're going to have a Passover, but we're not going to do it according to tradition. We're going to do it according to the Bible, and we're going to look in the in the book of Moses here, and we're going to find that in Exodus 12, and we're going to have, celebrate the Passover just like God told Moses. And surely the Bible says there was not holding such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor the kings of Judah. There never was such a Passover that uh, Israel celebrated as the one that they had under Josiah. There was never such a feast. And the reason it was blessed and the reason it was special was because uh, Judah went back to the book. And he went back to the basics and he went back to uh, forsaken everybody's idea about this. And he stayed just in harmony and in sync with God's word. And let me tell you, that's what God loves. God doesn't, he never asked Josiah to do that. He never asked Josiah to do anything new. He just said, he just uh, blessed him because his heart was tender towards God. Now, I'd like to say three things about this that, uh, that are important for us to remember about Josiah. Number one, it is possible for a young man to be an influence for good in his youth. It's possible for a young woman or a young man to influence others for good at a young age. You don't need to wait till you're old. You don't need to wait until you have a call in your life. You don't need to wait until you're married or have some experience, more experience in life. God can take you at a young age and an impressionable age and so inspire you with the word of God and the open book that you can accomplish great things and influence people for good for the kingdom at, at the age that you're at. You should not wait and say, Lord, someday I'd like to be able to do that. You should get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, 
do to me what you did to Josiah, and Lord, may I respond in the right way, and let me be an influence for the kingdom. There may only be one or two people that I might influence, but Lord, let me take advantage of that opportunity. Number two, his life was blessed because he was all in. His life was not blessed because he knew about the book, and his life was not blessed because he was around the book, but he his life was blessed because he took the book and ate the book, and it became a part of his life, and he was all in. There was no hesitation. There was no doubt. Everybody in Israel knew what side Josiah was on. Number three, as I said before, Josiah responded properly to the word of God, that when God had so uh, moved his heart by the hearing of the word, when when Shapheth the scribe stood there and read the word to him, and it so struck his heart, it so moved his heart, and he responded right. God didn't have to tell him what to do. There was just an expression of belief and obedience that sprung from his heart that pleased the Lord. And that's what God wants to see today. I can assure you that's what God wants to see today. Now, I'm, I'm not being much longer, but let me just say this. God allowed a youth to reign in this life to demonstrate the fact that a youth can reign in this life. When it comes to kings and priests, I, we, we've read in the Bible of the book of Revelation and other places where uh, we are made kings and priests by virtue of the blood of Christ and by his spirit dwelling in us. And Brother Branham says in his own way, he says, we are not the high priest, we are lesser priests, but we have a position before God and we have a reign in life. And God to me demonstrated out of the Old Testament here that a young man can reign in life because he wants us to be assured that young people can reign in life. You may not rule the kingdom of this country. But let me tell you something, you can begin by ruling your own life. You can begin by ruling your phone, not having your phone rule you, but you're going to rule your phone. You can begin by ruling in your own room. Yes, I, <laughs> you heard me right. You can begin to reign over your possessions. You can begin to reign as a good steward, like Joseph did. You can begin to reign in your attitude and asking God to help shape your attitude in a better way towards what a real Christian should be. You can reign in life by uh, being an example in your family, uh, to siblings and to others that are around you. You can reign in life by being a witness and showing people that young people can live for God in a time of darkness and a time of virus and a time of pre-tribulation uh, happenings that you can actually reign in life and be an overcomer. You can actually take control of your spirit to the place where, hey, I, I'm not telling you something that's a fable. You're a king, whether you realize it or not. You have royal blood in you. You're a monarch. You're empowered by the blood of Christ and by the commission given by his word. You're empowered uh, to live for God and to express his character in this world and to reflect his nature in this world. And the problem is, I think we've gotten uh, used to thinking, well, you know, that's for people like Brother Branham or that's for someone like the pastor or that's for older people in life. You, if you're born again, you have uh, an opportunity to reign in this life. And so therefore you should reign and take advantage of the a revelation that you have, just like Josiah did. He didn't sit there and say, wow, 
uh, I mean, the Bible, uh, that's that's really exciting. I can't wait till I'm old enough to actually do it. I can't wait till I'm old enough to actually put it in place in my life. He started that day. He took his clothes and he rented it, and he, he wanted to inquire of God, is this true? If it's true, then I've got to act on this. He didn't ask anyone's permission. He didn't ask uh, anyone for time. He just went out and he began to purge the idols. He, he, he looked on his phone. He took everything off there that didn't belong. He looked at, in his computer, took off everything that was wrong. He, he looked in his life and around in his room and uh, all his possessions, and he began to purge everything that didn't belong there. All I want to say to you tonight is that young people can reign. The character of a king can show up in a young person. It doesn't have to be an old person, someone like the Queen of England. It can be a young person. It can be you, you today. It can be male or female. It can be a young man or a young woman that decides that I want to let my life be guided by the Holy Spirit. I want to be intimidated by the book of God. I wanted to be impressed by the laws of God. That's what I want to have. The rich young ruler had the kind of character where he went to church, obeyed his parents, knew the commandments, followed everything that he knew to follow. Listen, he had that, and Jesus knew that. And the Bible says that Jesus looked upon him, and he loved him. And he admitted, he said, these things have I followed from my youth. And uh, this was this was uh, kind of a common, ordinary thing for the rich young ruler. But he did not go all the way. He did not pursue like Josiah did. He go all the way to the place where he really began to worship God in spirit and in truth. And he restored not only things around him, like in the in the palace and in the temple, uh, in in the around the the countryside, but he went to the heart of worship. He went to the place where he knew there is a living God. And I want to be able to follow him his way. Brother Bram said in the message, who is God? He said, now the believer today, most people say, well, he's a good man. He pays tithes to the church. He's a good member. That's very fine. That's a moral life. And no one can speak evil of that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus judged a man, a believer, a different type of character. So it's not just being around church. It's not just being around our church. It's not just having a Bible. And it's not just having a phone full of messages. We're looking for something that's, in terms of character, that's above that. And above that is to have the right response to that word and have that response expressed just like Josiah did. If you want a pattern, if you, you came to me and asked me and said, how, how can I be successful as a Christian? If, I, if, if a young man came to me or a young woman came to me and said, how can I be assured of the leadership of God in my life? How can I live a successful life and how can I be blessed of God? I'd point you back to 2 Kings 22 and 23 and say, there's a great example. There's a man who was, a the, hey, listen, the book was close, but it wasn't open to him. The book was there, but it wasn't available to him. And finally, he heard it. You may have come to church for a long time and been around the book, but it's never come open to you. You got to start there and you got to say, Lord, open the book to me. Reveal the book to me. Tell me, Lord, show me, quicken that word to me, because I don't want to just be around it. I want to have it mean something to me. I want the book to become personal to me. I want the book to stir my heart. And a young person can experience that uh, today in, in their life. I believe it's still true because uh, the word is a living word. And I believe that uh, God desires to stir in the hearts of young people as well as old people. And uh, it, it is something that we should pray for. You as young people should pray for that. The character that the rich young ruler had, and this is what Brother Ram's talking about here. He's a good man, goes to church, pays tithes. All of that's great. And he builds a moral life. But now 
when the rich young ruler was confronted with the person of Jesus and what Jesus told him to do, he rejected that. So you can see it, it's, it's not that the rich young ruler was disobedient to the Bible as he knew it. He rather gave the wrong response to the word that he had heard. So when he came to Jesus, he asked the right person the right question, got the right answer, but his response was not correct. He went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. It's not just being around it is important. That is important, but it's not the most important thing. What God blessed Josiah for was that he heard the right thing and then responded right. And that's what God's after in your life as well. Watch what Brother Branham says here. In, and again, we're talking about adoption and so forth. He said, listen, you Presbyterian friend, Methodist and so forth. When you're born again, that puts you in the family. It's your character, your conduct that gives God confidence in you. It's your conduct that gives God confidence in you. Glory to God. I like this quote. I wish I had, uh, I, if, I wish I had somebody to amen. Uh, but if I, if I was using my phone here tonight, uh, you would all say, oh, he's using his phone in church. The reason we haven't got that great church marching on today is because God can't find people to put his confidence in. I want you to make a decision tonight in your heart. And I don't know who's listening tonight, but I want you to make a decision tonight in your heart and say, Lord, use me. Pick me, choose me, and stir in my heart because I want you to have somebody in this life. I want you to have somebody in this family. I want you to have somebody in this church who you can put confidence in and you can inspire them to do a certain thing. And you might, you might find expression in many different ways. It may be a personal thing. You may, I don't know, you may get busy and clean up your room. You may decide that you want to help in, in missions. It may be that you want to finish your schooling. It may be that you want to be a better teenager. It may be that you want to uh, be more active, maybe in music in the church, if that's your talent. The thing is, a lot of times we, we uh, young people especially, we fall into a trap that I, I'm going to sing today because Brother Barry asked me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sing today because uh, I haven't sung in two years. Um, I, you know what? I, 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 this is a pastor. I, I think it's a wonderful thing when people are inspired enough by the presence of God that they want to express themselves. You don't have to be sing a special. That's just one avenue. But there are other things in looking for opportunities, looking for things to do. And let me tell you, if there's a desire for you to work for the kingdom, there's a way for you to work for the kingdom. If there is something that God wants you to do, he puts a desire in our hearts first. And so it's, it's your conduct that gives God confidence in you. So that, David says in Psalm 144, your sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a, Paris, of a palace. Our sons may be grown up in their youth. They might be strong on behalf of the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, that's the kind of influence that God wants to have in your life. That's the kind of influence that God wants to see expressed in your life. Wrapping it up, 1954, Brother Branham says, in the great resurrection, all the old will be young forever. Death's doing What death's doing to you now, death will be done away with. And just what your life was to you when you was a young man or a woman, that's what you'll be in the resurrection. Say it again. Just what your life was to you when you were a young man or woman, that's what you will be in the resurrection. 
do me a favor, go look in the mirror after this is done and, and look at yourself in the eyes of this service tonight and just say, would I want to be this forever? Would I want to be this forever? To have a half-hearted approach to the things of God and to have a lukewarm attitude about spiritual things or whatever else. Look at yourself and say, Lord, is there some way you can inspire me in a greater way than what I am now? Lord, give me a little bit of that which you gave Josiah and let me be, a, uh, let me be someone who's on fire more for God. Let me leave you with one last quotation here. Spoken words, the original seed. When God creates a man, he's of his kind. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The only thing he, David, needed was the rain. David would have been all right if he could just have had that rain. But the Holy Ghost wasn't yet given. He had the word. The word was in him. He could know it. He said, I've hid it in my heart, Lord, but it won't bloom out and act like it should, but I've hid it in there, Lord. But when Jesus came, which was the word made manifest, he took the germ of life out of it. And of course, Christian life blooms out of a converted heart. And if David's cup run over, what ought ours to do? With the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, with a true new birth experience, where now it's not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me, where we become a temple of the Holy Ghost and the Lord comes and actually indwells this vessel and it becomes my primary influence. If David could have the word hide it in there, but it never was quickened, it never blossomed out in his life, but he could say his cup runneth over. He was so happy and so joyful and so excited about the presence of God and so in love with him that he said, my cup runneth over. Brother Bram's just asking that question. What ought ours to do? If if we're able to actually, if, if the Holy Spirit, by his presence, is able to generate, he's able to grow a real Christian life in your life, my goodness, our cup should run over continually. Life is difficult. God knew it. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. God's word is real. God knew it. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit to keep us on track. The judgments of God are real. They're going to happen. This world's going to wind up in tribulation. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit, to make sure you didn't get there. Let me tell you, there is a place called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. It's in another dimension. It's real. God wants you to be there. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit in order to get you there. There is, there is a real Holy Spirit. There is a real experience of hearing the words of the book. And when you respond in the right way, there's a real blessing that God gives. And let me tell you, that character is the thing that impressed God. That that willingness to receive and obey and respond correctly. God sits back and he's just looking at all the angels up there and he's, he's just looking at all of that and he says, wow, look at Josiah go. Look at him stamp on those idols and grind them into powder. Look at it. Look at his zeal for God. And they must have said, well, Lord, did you tell him to do that? Did you send him on that mission? And he would have said, I didn't tell him a thing. I, I just told him that what was in the book was true. That's all I told him. And this is now his response. This is his expression. Young people, I would challenge you today. Just ask God to help you have the right expression to the word of God. You're around it. You're listening tonight. You're hearing the right thing. You just want to respond to it. 
No matter what age you are tonight, you should be praying and say, Lord, let me always have the right response to the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the love you show to us. And in so many ways, Lord, how patient you are. We take example from this young man, Josiah, Lord, and in the experience of his young life, without many years and without many wars and battles and without many things that he encountered in life, without even a temple to go to regularly, without anyone to give him a scroll to read, He's, just, he's inspired, and, and he, somehow or another he knows that the path that he's on is right. But when he gets the book, his whole world changes. When he gets the book of the law and reads it and realizes that there are consequences for turning away from God and there are blessings for turning to God, then all of a sudden his character begins to build. And Lord, you blessed him mightily. You blessed him abundantly. You kept judgment away all the days of his life so that he would not experience it in his lifetime. What a great blessing. What a great challenge that is to us. Forgive us for our slothfulness. Forgive us for becoming too tied up with the things of this world. Forgive us, Lord, I pray, for uh, just maybe squandering the days of our youth. But Lord, I just ask that you would inspire each one, Lord, and may, may our young people, Lord, may they be blessed, may they be on fire, may they just lead exemplary lives. And Lord, not just being around it, but Lord, may they respond correctly to it. We know you have a purpose in having them on this earth during this time when all the world is captivated by darkness and they're overcome by the negativity of this world. You've got young people that have a voice of hope. And Lord, may they be a witness in their schools and among their peers. Lord, may they be a witness of truth and light and joy. Speak to their hearts, I pray. Guide us in your will and help us always to respond right. And we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for coming and being here. And may God deal with all of our character and help us to start strong and finish strong. We want to remember those folks that are uh, still uh, in the medical field and uh, they're working hard and, and facing all the challenges that they do every day. I don't always mention that every service, but I think it's it's worthy of our prayers and I Appreciate uh, all of them on the front line. Appreciate uh, all of our laborers that help in making the services possible, the technical team, Brother Jeremy, and uh, his dedicated work. We appreciate that very much. And uh, I'd just like to give a special uh, shout out to uh, Brother Peter tonight. And Brother Peter has gone through a real uh, difficult time at his work. They had some real problems there. And uh, you know what? Sometimes we take for granted the, uh, the power that we enjoy. But I appreciate, uh, as one of my sons, and I know how hard he works and labors, uh, appreciate his work in the, in the field. And uh, he's been charged with, uh, you know, allowing the, the uh, power to keep flowing. And, and we appreciate that, Brother Peter. We appreciate uh, all of you that labor in your own field, in your own capacity and work. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you all, give you courage and protect you and your jobs and your labor. And uh, may God lead you and guide you and protect your families. Uh, if you don't mind remembering Sister Amanda tomorrow morning in uh, hospital, she's going to be going through the heart cath. And uh, we just want to pray that the Lord will raise her up. 
And uh, remember the McGeary's this week, they're uh, finishing off their packing and getting ready to move. And uh, we pray that God will bless them on their uh, adventure and their endeavors in Phoenix. And may the Lord uh, be with them. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. May God bless you tonight.